All right, you guys. I I say this about every guest, but I am literally just over the moon about our next guest, Danielle Robey. I met her in a hallway in Chicago when she was still living in Chicago. And I feel like we had kind of like immediate, I mean, granted, the reason we were both there was for an art project of a, of a friend, but I feel like we had an immediate kind of connection. But I feel like you're telling half the story. You're being like really nice and saying we like we met, but really I accosted you in a hallway because I was like, this woman <laughs> is so cool. I want to know her. And I was like, who are you? What's your story? And we had like a good seven minutes before your Uber came. That's true. That's true. I'm being <laughs> modest. <laughs> so yeah, so we connected and you were still living in Chicago at the time and now you're in LA and it, I can see the sun there. I can see it's like sunny and nice there and it's like already getting dark here. I won't show you the palm trees. No, please don't. I don't think my, <laughs> my poor winter heart can't take it right now. Um, so we, yeah, so I'm, I started the podcast and you were one of the first people I thought about to have on and it, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I'm doing what you normally do for people. And so I feel like I'm kind of, you know, like you're the master and I'm, I'm doing this, I'm interviewing you, but I'm just going to jump into it. So I want our list, my listeners to know you more. And I want to know like how you got into the entertainment industry. You're a journalist, you're a host, you're so much more than that. I feel like why I'm so drawn to you is because you really have heart behind what you do and there's a consciousness to it. And it's very, um, I can't think of the word. It's just, it's more than just interviewing someone. You really, you really seek out the meaning and what people are trying to say. And so how did you get started in the entertainment industry? That's so nice of you to say. Thank you. Uh, well, I grew up in Chicago in the Northern suburbs and I would watch way too much TV. Like I watched everything. And my dad, like I came from a family of people who really value education, like grandparents, parents. My dad would yell at me and be like, you're wasting your brain. Stop sitting in front of the TV. What are you doing? And now he laughs and he's like, you were just doing research. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I have to be honest. I was always obsessed with entertainment. I loved television. I loved music. I begged my parents to let me like audition for commercials all that kind of stuff. So when I was old enough to actually try and do something, um, I won a raffle to B96, which is like our big radio station in Chicago. And I said, I'm going to go meet the DJs and I'm going to make it. Like, this is going to be my big break. And I met Styles and Roman and I went in there and my mom is like such a momager or was at the time, not anymore, thankfully. And she was like, you know, Danielle sings. You got to listen to her sing. And they were like, okay, like sing something for us. And I sang right there and then I was so nervous. And Justin Roman, who is a big Chicago TV personality now, um, was doing Afternoon Drive there. And that was his side job. He was actually a songwriter. And so he took me under his wing and he taught me how to write music. And that was my first foray into entertainment in general. I interned at B96 and then I got started um, in college doing like TV stuff. And once I, once I got a taste of news, I never turned back. I love it. And do you remember what you sang? Do you remember the song? Oh, that's such a good question. No one's ever asked me that. I don't even remember. I probably sang like Jojo Get Out or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so your entrance into this, was there anything that you, it sounds like, I'm, and maybe maybe I'm not right, but did you have anything that you had to overcome to be able to be in the spotlight or to be in the public eye or to like, did you have anything that was sort of 
you had to break through to do that? Or was it just like, no, this is what I was made to do. I'm going to do it. Uh, that's really, you're really good at this. <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think uh, different personality types, like different archetypes of people are driven by different things. Like some people are driven by fame, money, significance. Like there's a plethora of things. I feel like I'm really driven by impact. And so my whole like ethos growing up, um, Robe is my middle name. My mom named me after my two grandmas. And so she was like, you're going to be named after strong women and you're going to be one. And like from a very young age, that was instilled in me. And I think I've always wanted to make an impact on young girls' lives. And in order to do that, for me, like people do it in a ton of different ways. But for me, it was like, okay, how do I find a platform using my voice? And that was through storytelling. I love it. I love that. And that's probably helped you in times, at least I feel like when I, because that's, you know, what I'm trying to do on my podcast. And when people, sometimes I think, well, why am I doing this? And it's really people's feedback that keeps me, it's people's, you're making a difference. I, you know, I'm enjoying this. This helped me. That's the kind of thing that, that motivates me to keep going whenever I feel like, eh, I don't know, does anyone really care about, you know, does anyone care? And so I love that. So what advice would you give for young women that are looking to get into the, you know, entertainment industry or looking to get their foot in the door? This may sound obvious or trite, but uh, if you want it, go get it. Like, I think that um, specifically women, but people in general are often stalled by like the idea of, am I good enough or getting out of our own heads? And I feel like trying is winning. Like you got to just go try. I've always put myself in uncomfortable situations and it's not any more or less uncomfortable for me than it is for anybody else, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm willing to fail. And so if you're willing to fail and you're willing to just be, I think like gritty, like find crazy ways to do things. I used to stand outside in LA. I had no co like contacts. I'm a girl from Chicago, you know, like I moved to LA and lived in a garage and I used to stand outside of people's workplaces. I would find their um, addresses and I would stand outside with coffee and a box of donuts like every day until they would speak to me. Like I would be like, John, oh my John, gosh. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, nowadays that might be considered strange, but like eight years ago, it was okay. <laughs> I love it. What happened in the eight years? What changed? <laughs> I think the internet like caught up, you know? <laughs> oh, right. I know. If you, there's a will, there's a way. And I know it sounds corny, but I really believe in that. Yeah, I believe in that too. I often say that I'm no different than anyone else. You know, I just, um, my threshold for embarrassment is actually pretty high. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think in order to do anything in a public way, you have to have that. I think so too. Is there something you remember doing that you felt like ultra uncomfortable about that sort of was a game changer for you? I mean, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can pinpoint one thing, but I, I I am so glad that I did not grow up with the internet. Like, I can't even tell you the things that my friends and I used to do for fun, you know, that were just that now would be like, I, it would be, I would be mortified. Like if people, if there was like internet, if this was living on the internet somewhere, like mortified. And I'm happy for that. I, I, I'm worried for my kids growing up with the social media and Instagram and everything being documented. And now TikTok. My kids have me on TikTok. Are you on TikTok? I'm not, but all of my YouTuber friends are on TikTok and like brands are now asking, what are your TikTok numbers? Like it's really, 
it's taking off. I just haven't found, I haven't thought of a way that um, it feels organic to me. Yeah. Like a lot of it seems like funny and I'm not really funny. <laughs> well, I think you are. <laughs> I think you have a, you have a sense of humor, right? Like, For sure. like I like to laugh, but I don't know if I'm like creating the funny the way you do. Got it. You know? Got it. Got it. So you work with brands. How do you decide who you work with? Because I'm sure you get approached a lot. What is like the internal meter for you? Or how do you decide who you're going to work with and, and what speaks to you? I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it's always kind of been my um, thought process on working with brands. Is like I always saw my Instagram as my digital resume. And so if, you know, my dream job is constantly changing, but say my dream job is Good Morning America. I think of those executives making decisions at Good Morning America and I'm like, would they be okay? Like, am I showcasing something that's beneficial or is it detrimental? Oh. Like, I never want to put myself in a position where it feels like I'm doing something that doesn't feel good or would be blocking me from a future job. Um, I also like to work with brands that have something to say. So like you mentioned, I like to try and be socially conscious. And so you know, specifically with women's issues, if they're talking about like the period movement or equal pay, I am all in. So you mentioned your dream job. What is your dream job right now? Like, what is your like, are you, are, are you doing it? No, I'm actually, um, I'm creating a video podcast called Pretty Smart and I'm stalling for some reason. I don't know why. I've had a lot of like internal sort of pushback on it. Um, but I think it's because I just want it to be perfect. I have had this vision for like two and a half years and I was doing a morning show in Chicago and could barely wake up on time. So I like yeah. to focus on anything else. And now is the time. So I'm, I've been building it out. We finally got our logo, which is step one. I'm sure you know what that's like. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, um, it's going to be a platform for, for wonderful trailblazing women to hear uh, stories about the the ones who have done it before. So I love that. I saw you talking about it on something and I heard you mention that you've always wanted to be like a millennial Barbara Walters. Yes. <laughs> and I just loved that. I love that. Who would your like dream guests be on the show? Like if you could have interview anyone. For sure, Hillary Clinton. She was just on Howard Stern. I've admired her and looked up to her since I was in preschool. Like I, there, I work with um, the Step Up Women's Network and they have this great saying that you can't be what you can't see. And she was the first woman that I saw in government. Like she was the only visible person that looked like me. And I was just always in awe of her. Um, so she's the dream. The one I'm really trying to get for our first episode is Jamila Jamil, who, um, if you guys don't follow her yet, she changed my life with Ai Wei and her activism against disordered eating. Like she is just the coolest. So she's always on, like my number one follow. That's awesome. I was just on your page today and I started following her. So that's so funny because she I I'd seen her. You mentioned her and she's amazing. I can't wait to like to learn more. So you're talking about politics and you're probably more knowledgeable than I am because I really it really the news like I just can't watch it. And it's so just dark and depressing to me that I have a hard time kind of following it. I know that all my mom like sends me updates all the time. So I know I'll never miss anything. It's good. Everybody somewhere. Your mom is your own Twitter source. It's good. Right. She's my own. Uh, she's on my own news source. But how do you think like, do you have ideas like how do we get the right people in politics? What do you think? What do you think we need to do? What do you think 
needs to happen to get more of these people that really care and are really conscious people into politics? Do you have ideas? Yeah, I mean, when I talk to the next generation, how old are your kids? My kids are nine and seven, uh, almost 10 and eight. So, yeah. So your 10-year-old's kind of getting there. But like when I talk to high school students right now, I am so blown away by them. Like they are so smart, so thoughtful, so aware, like really active and caring. And it makes me feel like we are going to be okay. Like it, they're amazing. And I Obama tweeted this one time, like um, when he saw all of the young kids petitioning against global warming and he was like, and gun control. And he was like, it's always been young people who have made the change. Like when we were, when people were protesting Vietnam, when people were protesting segregation, it was always the high school students, the 20 year olds that were fighting against injustice. And so it's just kind of, I think, like the way the world works, each generation rallies for change. And so I feel like we're in good hands. I mean, Trump scares the living besides like that whole situation, which I hope hopefully we'll get out of in 2020. Um, I feel really inspired by Gen Z. That's awesome. I think, and I do think every generation thinks like, oh, this is, oh, the gener, the kids, the youth are going to shit. You know, I feel like when I have those thoughts, I have to remind myself that my parents had those thoughts, that (laughs) the generation before them had those thoughts, because I think with social media, like, it's just such a different, because I didn't grow up with it and you're younger than me. So you probably grew up with it a little bit and it's just- A little, but it's different the way that like your kids are growing up with it. Yeah, it is very different. What do you think, what are some things, and I'm asking this for myself and you being in in the entertainment industry, you've probably seen different people deal with it in different ways. So what have you noticed the people that are successful at it? Is there a certain quality that they have? Is there something similar that they share or embody that makes them, you know, successful in navigating that? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's more simple than we even think. It's like really knowing your core, which can be applied to just life in general. Right, right. Not letting your touch screens make you lose touch type of an idea. Absolutely. And I think you do that. Like you really, you don't have a split personality. Like you are who, maybe you're amplified or exaggerated in some way on social media, but that's who, like, I I know you on a personal level, that's who you are. Like, you're funny, you're quirky, you're witty, you're like, care, like, you love your family. Like, I can name all those things you showcase on social media, and that's who you are. So, like, I think when you start having two different personalities, it gets really, in, like, you get conflicted, and that's when it starts For sure. to feel good. Yeah, and then it feels, you start to feel like a fraud, or you start to feel, I mean, look, there's there's times where I feel like a fraud I don't know. Do you ever, I mean, do you feel like a fraud ever? Do you ever have that, that system where you're- I actually get anxious about it. How do you, what do you tell yourself or how do you, how do you remind yourself or how do you keep going when you have those feelings? So my um, mentor is this guy, Steve Carlston, who I met when I first moved to LA very serendipitously. And he said to me, you have to have a mantra for yourself. I love that. Um, I say it before I walk into an important meeting. I say it if I'm like feeling anxious and- I have a long version and a short version. And I think that's one thing I do. And the other part of that is to just make good decisions every day. Like he always said to me, you can't predict 
what's going to happen. Your life is probably going to take you on a different path than you even imagined it to. And so you just have to make good decisions every single day. And that's the best we can do, you know, and we hope it takes us in the direction we want it to. Totally. And if it doesn't, we have a good attitude about it, at least. <laughs> yeah, at, least we, at least we put it all out there, like no regret. Yeah, exactly. Do you have someone now that you talk to? Do you change? Like, who are you? Who are your heroes or who are your who are your mentors directly? And then who do you not know that you really look up to? You mentioned Hillary Clinton, but is there anyone else? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I did a, a social media cleanse a few years ago when I started realizing that um, I was like, if you are what you eat, then we think about what we consume. And I was following like the Kardashians and all of these Insta girls. And all of a sudden my brain was so warped. I was thinking about like clothing way too often. I was thinking my butt should be five sizes bigger. Like I was like really warped and I was like, okay, I'm going to unfollow all these people and follow activists and writers and poets and artists and people that expand my mind and my heart. And I've now used it as a tool. Like I learned so much. So I don't know if they're necessarily mentors, but I definitely have digital teachers. I love that. Like I have a whole list. I was actually going to make um, like a button on my, like a highlight. Cause I feel like there's all these people that other people should follow and learn from that I've found. But yeah, I think you have to have people you look up to both close and far away. For sure. For sure. I, I, I need to do, I muted a bunch of people because I didn't, not even people that, not even people like the Kardashians, just people that I noticed when I watched their stories or watched their posts, I just felt bad about myself or I just felt negative and I don't even know why, you know? And then I was like, why am I, I don't want to unfollow them necessarily, but I don't need to, I don't need this in my daily, like you said, media diet. Like it just makes me feel bad. I noticed myself in this comparison game. When I first moved to LA, I wanted to be Juliana Rancic and I finally wiggled my way onto some red carpets. And like the first guy I ever dated in LA called me his little meatball. And I thought it was cute. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh, he was calling me chubby. <laughs> like, oh. a little and so <laughs> I'm like, that was so rude. <laughs> I would not have picked up on that either. I would have been like, it's, it's so cute. <laughs> and so when I look like when I first moved to LA, like I was definitely I had my like Chicago clothes and I was not in an LA girl. And all of these people I was standing next to on the red carpet were tall and very blonde and very stunning and had hair and makeup teams and stylists and like they were rocking it. And I would look to my left and look to my right and think like, holy sh like how do I, how do I compete with that? And this woman said to me, I was like talking to her about it because I, I never really did the comparison game before in my life. And that was the first time I felt it. And she said to me, um, you have to run your own race. Like stop looking to your left, stop looking to your right look straight ahead and be the best version of you. And it's way easier said than done, but you're losing if you're playing someone else's game. Make sure they're trying to play your game. Like look straight ahead, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes, you have to sort of trust the timing of, I think, of your life and the things that you want for your life and the things that you envision for your life, um, I think are not, you know, by mistake. I do believe that if you have a, a wish or a desire for something, that it's not, you know, placed into your heart for no reason, you know? So I think going along with that, like you have to sort of trust that, um, 
that things are going to work out in the in the right time, which is so hard sometimes <laughs> because we want it now. Who instilled that in you? Because I think like certain people have that idea and certain people don't. Um, I don't know if it's something that I've just always sort of felt. I don't know that I ever... It's something that I've always just felt as a child, and I don't know that I, if I read it somewhere, if it was from my parents, um, I always felt very, you know, loved and safe. I think by them, so I think that helps to have like that kind of childhood when you're growing up. But I don't, and I felt, you know, okay and and safe to take risks. Um, but I've just always felt that way that you know it's it's going to work out, and you know sometimes I have to remind myself of that. And there's definitely days where I'm like, this is, you know. What is what is the point? And this isn't going to happen. But I, I don't know. I think I've I do think you you get what you look for. You know, you can find evidence for everything. So if you're looking for that kind of thing to show up in your life, you can find it. If you want to look for ways that you're failing or ways that you're falling behind, there's evidence for that, too. So it just kind of depends on what you want to what you want to see. I totally agree with that. It's like, don't look at your significant other's phone because you'll find evidence of whatever you're looking for. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I've never looked through someone's phone. I Well, maybe back in the day, but it's been a while. It's been a while. I think that's always a bad move. <laughs> I've done it and it's the kiss of death. Like I will never do it again. <laughs> no, it is the kiss of death because then you can't stop. You, and even if you're not finding something, you're like, you're just looking. What are you looking for? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So what kind of things do you love to do in your free time when you're not working? What What is a, a day in the life like? I feel so dorky answering this question because I love to read. <laughs> do you? I love to What are your books? Like, what are some of your favorite books? Um, I love Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. That's a must on every coffee table. I love Beauty Sick by Dr. Renee Engelm. She's actually a professor out of Northwestern, and that book changed my life. What's it called? Beauty Sick? Yeah, Beauty Sick. Um, a large part of that book's ethos it has inspired Pretty Smart. She's phenomenal. And what else do I love? Looking at my bookshelf. I love Exodus is a great one. I love how champions think. The Art of the Interview is really good if you care about that stuff. Uh, clearly, I do. <laughs> I, probably should I probably should read that. <laughs> Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People is a really great book for anybody starting a business. Yeah, there's a bunch. That's a classic. I don't think I've ever read that. That's a really good one. And also a must is Oprah's book. People actually don't know a lot of times that she has a book. She wrote it like 20 years ago. No way. Yeah, it's really beautiful. If you listen to it on audiobook, she reads it and you hear her wonderful voice. It's so good. I love that. Are you a fan of um, Super Soul Sundays? I mean, every episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I, she, I think she's credited with like enlightening America. Like she was the first public person yeah. to really talk about enlightenment. She really was. She kind of brought it mainstream and she did it in a way that didn't feel like it was. I, we got a horn there. I feel like whatever I'm about to say is like really important. <laughs> I love that um, you I, could hear the streets of LA. When I heard it, I was like, yeah. Um, and so how wait, so how long have you been in LA now? So I lived here for four and a half years, moved back to Chicago for the morning show, and then I moved back like a little over a year ago. So Okay, so I, I really caught you at the right time. Like it was like divine timing when we walked into the, through that hallway because you weren't there for that long. 
No, it was meant to be. I was only there for like a year and a half, but okay, it was wow. meant to be. Yeah. And you were doing the morning show. I've never learned more in my life. Being live two hours a day is um, the best practice you can get as a TV host. What did you learn? I learned a lot about myself and how I handle stress um, and pressure. I learned a lot about office dynamics. I had never been in a leadership role before. And I'd always kind of been an employee. And then when you're the host of a show, you have to kind of take a different seat at the table. And Mm -hmm. it was uncomfortable for me. And I definitely screwed up a few times. But it was meant, like, I I think I was meant to screw up because I had to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You either, you either win or you learn. I saw that as a meme somewhere and it's so true. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I'm totally going to tell my kids that. That's so good. And you had to wake up really early, right? What time did it start? What, how was your sleep? I always wondered how do people, um, that do that? How do you sleep? How do you, what's your sleep schedule? Like, do you go out? Honestly, so messed up. Like the people that do GMA and today I have so much respect for because I was waking up at 2.45 in the morning every morning and you can't really miss a show. Like you, you can't really take a week off, especially when you start the show the first year, you yeah. definitely can't take time off. Right. Um, and you have to go to bed at like seven or eight, but then you end up going to bed at nine and then you're just exhausted. And like Monday, Tuesday, you're okay. But by Wednesday of staying up too late, you're just like jet lagged. It's, right. I don't remember Like I was like, I think all the conversations I had went over my head because I just was like half there, you know, so tired and you, it probably inhibits your social life a little bit because you can't really go out. I really, I'm really bad at, at falling asleep on schedule. Like if I know I need to sleep, it's not happening. Like absolutely not, not happening. So that would be. I feel like that is a a common thread. Like you can't put pressure on yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so what do you, is there one thing that you can tell us that, I don't know, most people don't know about you when they see your Instagram or see you interviewing people? Is there something like that people would be surprised to hear? I think sometimes I put up like a, a put together or sort of like, yeah, I think put together image and I, I think I, through therapy, I've realized that I, I always felt like I had to do that because when you're on TV in the mornings or every day, like no one cares if you're having a bad day, you have to put that image out there. Yeah. Yeah. But I almost feel like I, I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg, if I went into this career because I was used to doing that or if I learned it through this career, but, um, I'm actually like really sensitive and I cry all the time. (laughs) um, I definitely don't have it together. My dating life is a complete disaster. No way. (laughs) Yes, no, like really a disaster. And I like get upset with friendships and I fight with my mom, you know, like all all this stuff that happens. But um, I'm curious to know your thoughts about this. I, I never know how much is too much to share because I think it's so important to be a real person. And at the same time, there's like this sort of theme on Instagram nowadays that's like catharsis. And it feels like people are like trying so hard to be real, to connect with people that they're not being real. Abs- I've I just talked to someone about this. I completely agree 
it's almost like it's almost like when someone's being vulnerable and really sharing, we we really connect to that as humans, right? We really we see ourselves in that person. We have empathy for that person. We can understand what they're going through. But then there's another level and it's almost like forced vulnerability and it kind of goes a little bit over and it's there's something in our humanness that goes, that's not that's not it doesn't feel real. It feels forced. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like it's like almost like what I'm saying. Yeah, I've noticed that a lot on Instagram and I am not a fan for me. I don't I don't connect with that personally. Um, and so sometimes I feel like I tend to undershare for that reason, because I'm afraid of going over that line because I would never want it to feel forced, if that makes exactly. sense. I, I struggle with that same thing. Yeah. 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 But I always say, you know, I, if people follow me and they want to follow my life and, and I am putting it out there and this is my job and this is a choice, but I do still feel like I'm in charge. So if if I don't want to share something, I'm not going to feel obligated to share. I have a lot of friends that do this and they say, oh, I feel obligated to share. I mean, I chose this. This is my my job. And I say, you know what? If you want to know something and I'm not sharing, you can either ask me and then I'll choose to answer or not or unfollow me if you don't. Because I still feel like there's a boundary. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. It seems like you have a really, um, like a really strong sense of self. And I think yeah. people lack that. That's when it becomes, like that's when there's no boundaries. Exactly. And I also think, and, and it's this way in stand-up comedy, you can't really, um, it makes the audience really uncomfortable when you're processing something live. So you can't joke about something that you haven't already processed because people want to know that you're okay before they will laugh. So it's like, you know, it's like if you're recently divorced and you haven't processed that, it's hard to make jokes about that without people being like, oh. <laughs> Wait, this is blowing my mind. I feel like that's such a great point. That's sometimes when it feels like oversharing. It feels like oversharing and it feels like, I, I think it I think it comes from a good place. Like people want to, I think people want to like you. People want to laugh. People want to connect. But in that circumstance, it's hard for them to sort of laugh when they think that you're not okay. And maybe that's true for sharing on Instagram too, or, you know, being an influencer or having, you know, I don't know, just came into my head though. That's really smart. I think there's something there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool to have people, you know, how like businesses have consultants audit. I think it'd be so cool to have people that are tangential in our lives, like not super close, kind of audit Instagram and give like complete unbiased feedback. That's amazing. I love that idea. I absolutely I love that idea. Yeah. What would we call it? We would call it Instagram audit. Instagram. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. You be, Danielle, why are you acting so weird? Well, I'm being audited right now. <laughs> I'm really funny. trying to, I'm really trying to rein it in. <laughs> that's really funny. I love that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. That's a really good idea. I think that might be after your, your pretty smart idea. 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to start an Instagram audit business. I just would like to be audited. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need a feedback loop. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, this has been so fun. Will you come back? Like, can we have a whole conversation about like, I don't know, dating or whatever? Like, let's talk about some other stuff next time. That would be a scary one for everyone, but yes. <laughs> I love it. No way. I love it. So tell me, okay, so tell me um, where the listeners can find you um, online and offline and and about Pretty Smart. Is that launched yet? Is that something that's coming? Where where can we find that? Yeah. So I'm Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y on all of the internets. And as far as Pretty Smart, um, there's a link on my Instagram and you can follow there, but it's hopefully going to be launching at the end of March. And hopefully Jamila Jamil will be our first interview. Yay. So fingers crossed for that one. And you're going to, will you come on? Oh my goodness. I would be honored. Yes, of course. Okay. Thank you. I feel like you, like you said at the beginning, usually I'm asking the questions and this whole time I've had a thousand questions for you. So we're going to have to do the reverse of this. Oh, I would love that. That would be so fun. I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking your time. And I will put all those links in the show notes for everybody. And thank you so much. So sweet. Thank you for your time. This podcast was produced by Dante32.